Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You are listening to Metal Shop's Backstage Pass. Back here on Metal Shop, it's 99.9 KISW, The Rock of Seattle. Right now we have two very special guests, two was it two fifths of the band? Two fifths. So, so it's uh, what is that? Twenty percent. Twenty percent of Demon Hunter is <laughs> in studio. Ryan Clark and John Dunn of Demon Hunter. Welcome to the studio, guys. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks yeah, for having thanks. us. Hey, thank you so much for coming up, gentlemen. You guys are the twenty percent of Demon Hunter that's still a Northwest band. Yeah. Uh, when we first started, everyone lived in the Northwest, and yeah. then uh, over the years of people have come and gone. You know, we got a bunch of Nashville dogs now. Yeah, once we added know. one Nashvillian, uh, <laughs> Nashville, uh, that just kind of snowballed into when that guy would leave or when that guy, when we needed someone else, that person was like the, the intermediary it's for like Nashville. It's like a growth. The he Nashville like, hey, just keeps mm-hmm. growing yeah, on. Exactly. Nashville is awesome. You should come to my town. Yeah, so first it was our drummer, and then when we needed a guitar player, the drummer was like, yeah, I know a guy in Nashville. Oh, yeah, it just kind of went from there. Cool. Well, the the reason you guys are up here, other than being total badasses and you're in the Northwest, is you guys released two albums, one day, two albums, War and Peace on Solid State Records. First off, congratulations. Thank you. Totally. Very, very cool. That's huge, man. Two albums in one day. There's like 20 songs altogether. Uh, what was the reason you guys wanted to come out with two albums? Yeah, why, I mean, why a double release this time around? Why yeah. not just one release with two discs, but, sure. but two full totally different albums yeah well the idea of doing two albums that kind of like polarized the styles that we play has been something we've been talking about doing since probably like 2012 okay um it wasn't the right time to do it then i think there's kind of a right time to do it in a career like you know you don't want to do it too early it's kind of an advantageous thing to do um and it just felt like the right time to do it uh i've had a lot of help in the writing process with our guitar player patrick he sends me like 30 demos every time we do a record. So just the sheer volume of stuff that he would be working on was a huge help in in taking on like something this big. Yeah. And then after our last record, uh, it felt right to kind of round out albums 9 and 10 at once. Sure. Uh, And so this felt like the time to do it. But really like the idea behind the doing two at once was basically to showcase our heavy side and our Mm -hmm. melodic side. Uh, and the reason I would wanted to do them autonomously, essentially, was um, I think double albums are exhausting. Uh, I don't know if there's a double album that I've ever really like felt like I've soaked in. Sure. I think like most people, I look at double albums and go, you could have made one great album. Well, especially of, you know, this day and age, too. Yeah. When people are uh, not necessarily oversaturated, but there's just so much music to listen to yeah exactly so i wanted it to be like each one was it kind of their own experience and so sure. we tried to kind of curate the play, the track listing and everything to to be like um its own thing on both of them and so my hope is that people can more easily digest them uh, i don't know if that'll be the, it's still a lot of songs but well, um, it's just more of a heads up of like hey you need to sit down and do a little set aside some time yeah do some musical digestion yeah. and it's a, it's a little bit of a you know, for us, it's a little bit of an experiment to see, like, which one does better, like, sure. which one people like more, you know. Okay. Um, so there's a little bit of that. And, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, User Illusion 1 and 2 were the the kind of popular, the most popular version of, uh, you know, album that came out on the same day. A lot yeah. of bands had planned to do that. I, I think, think Opeth did it, too. Opeth was a couple of months apart. Oh, okay. And Soil Work also <clears throat> did it with The Living Infinite a few years back. All right. But that was a double album. Yes. Ah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, He's done his research. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. But, like, Load and Reload were supposed to be out on the same day, and then okay. politics and stuff, you know, uh, and so those ended up being spread out quite a bit. Um, but Use Your Illusion is, like, the big, the, the one that, that comes to mind that is, like, oh. you know, it, they effectively did it on the same day. And you guys are going to outsell it. it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's <laughs> already have, I'm sure. That's easy. Wow. That's easy. Yeah. Pre-orders through the roof. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. awesome. And they were smart. They did, the, the first video they did was off of Use Your Illusion 2, because I think most people would look at the two and be like, well, I want the first. You know, the, that They're must like, be B-sides yeah, or something. Yeah, B-sides. So they, I think whatever the first single was off of that, they did off of the second one, which really helped 
propel both albums at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's you know it's a little tricky. Obviously, we can't expect you know the same amount of record sales for two records at once, and so we're being realistic about that. But you know. Who but cares anyway? So. At, at a certain point, you're kind of offering up, uh, like, to, to your real fans. Like, yeah. you're, you're offering that up to them as, like, I, I don't know. I'm not going to speak for you, not as a thank you per se, but, like, hey, we had all these songs. We want you to hear them. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it was, like I said, just biting off this much stuff, it really helped that, you know, for, there was a handful of records after my brother quit in 2008 because we used to write everything together. Yeah. There was a couple records where I was basically doing all the the instrument songwriting as well as the the vocals and melodies and stuff. And as of last record, uh, Outlive, Patrick had really started helping me out with the music stuff, and that was a great help. Not in, not only in terms of like just having the time to do it because I was a new dad and stuff, but also I had written like you know a hundred and something songs for this band, uh, and so the, I wouldn't say the well was dry, but it was like it's a little bit harder to kind of feel invigorated. And sure. Patrick's like the youngest member of the band; he's by far the most talented member of the band. And so, oh having, yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> trust me, <laughs> we will all. I'm just busting. We will all gladly say that. Um, <laughs> and so he's he's kind of like the young, fresh blood that's like you know bringing some of that. And he's in Nashville, right? He's in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. And so he's really helped us also just bring like a technicality that we were like not capable of in sure. earlier records. And so things like that are just kind of helping us evolve and, and making us sound like we're, you know, not a bunch of old men doing <laughs> trying trying to make it happen, you know. So um he's been a huge well, help. I don't think you're done. trying. I think you're Making it. Oh, happen. absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you, you got these two albums in the studio. Were you thinking, like, was there an idea, like, we want these songs for this album, you wrote them for that album, or did it just kind of come down to, how did you split it? Right, because it's war and peace also, yeah. right? <clears throat> so there was a lot, I mean, there was some songs that were just obvious, like, you know, we're going to play Ash. That song was just clearly, it's a barn burner, it's going to go on war. There was a, There's a handful of songs that could feasibly go on either one. Sure. Um, there's a song called Gray Matter on War that probably could have ended up on Peace. You know, it's it it's a bit of a toss up. It's not like War is all screaming and Peace is all singing. It's got to be a little know. dynamic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's a little screaming on Peace. There's a, there's quite a bit of singing on War. Um, and so it's more came down to like how it felt. And so, you know, again, I wanted that to be like the peaks and valleys of each record to be very apparent. And so I didn't want like a full barrage of heaviness on War and then like an acoustic record on Peace. I wanted yeah. to make sure there was like the the same kind of peaks and valleys that we're used to doing on both records. And you were saying these are nine and ten, right? Numbers nine, nine and, ten, and ten. Yeah, that's so. This huge. is the time, like you said. You guys have put in so much hard work, and you've been out on the road. You've done a lot, Steve. You know, we we'll talk about Steve Rock at some point. Oh yeah, yeah. Right? got to. Oh yeah. But this is a, an opportunity for you to kind of like spread your take wings, a deep man. breath, and do some flex. Yeah, on on, on that kind of artistic I like that. flex creativity. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's cool. Exactly. Weird flex, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, awesome. what uh, when we were talking to you guys before we you know we we cracked the mics over here, uh, you guys both live right. In, in the northwest down there, in the area that yeah. Kevin and I both grew up in. Yeah. We were Kent, talking about what? all the Kent, Maple Valley local stuff. So there's someone right now hearing you going, oh, my God, these guys live. <laughs> yeah. Hey, by the way, what's your social security number? And your address? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, so I live a, up. Uh, no. it's, a, it's one of those things where some some kid or some uh, grown-ass metalhead's going, man, like, okay, there's people in my neighborhood, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, when, I, when I first moved to Maple Valley, I lived in Skyway for a, about a decade, but... Um, uh, someone in, uh, I ran into someone in QFC that was a fan. Nice. And he was just tripping that I was in Maple Valley. Like, Wait, I was like, here? why? Are you? I was like, I live here. Are you lost? <laughs> yeah. Totally. You guys play Maple Valley on tour? Yeah. Sick. <laughs> yeah. So another thing about Kent is, w- I didn't even know this that Howard Lee's from from Heart yeah. has a studio and has and lives there. So you guys worked with him and and went to his home. And, and it looked beautiful. Tell us a little bit about yeah. the experience yeah, on so, this new album. Uh, Howard Lease from Heart. You know, Bar- everyone knows Barracuda. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, if you're listening to KISW, you know who Yeah, and you better. Yeah. Well, you better. You better. Um, so, yeah, he, he, I think, was originally from Kent and went to high school in Kent and stuff like that. So he uh, owns a house down there that... Uh, he spends most of his time in Palm Springs. Okay. You know, Hart did okay in their day. You know, they sold a few <laughs> albums, so he's he's got a couple places to go. Uh, but yeah, his house in Kent is like the oldest 
house in Kent, and the guy, literally, yeah, and the guy who built that house named the city of Kent Kent, and he came from Kent, England, built an exact replica of his house in Kent, put England, put his flag in there, and, and like, said, "This, is this, this town to is going to be called Kent." So, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, there, uh, there's a recording studio in there that, uh, you know, it's pretty like got to be friends of friends to get in there, sort of thing. Luckily, we have some friends. So we got in there, and the console that's in there is the one that uh, Sir Mix-a-Lot did uh, Big Butts on. So oh, nice. if, if you like the bass on the album, it's probably because of <laughs> because of that board. Definitely, butt yeah, definitely. thumping bass. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I grew my big butt in Kent. It's a sweet old house, though, because it's got a ton of character. I mean, it's, you know, all the stonework and stuff. And he's decorated it with, like, swords and battle axes. Yeah, and you have to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you can't just put some Ikea furniture no, in there. No, 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 no. Yeah. It's very... It's straight up medieval time appropriate era appropriate uh, but it's it's also like a time machine back to the 80s uh not just from all the heart gold yeah exactly cassettes the on the wall and stuff the, yeah. but the also the pudding, like yeah. you know you you open some of the closet doors not that we would do that but no, you no. know <laughs> if you were to open some of the closet doors and look around uh, you know like the original cloaks that they'd wear that you know have heart on the back is just hanging in the closets oh, yeah cool. so you get to see all the wardrobe yeah. stuff Play they dress had. up. yeah like all the wardrobe stuff there's like crazy leopard print everything uh-huh. it's got to be a hell of an environment to like absorb and then record yeah. an album yeah, oh, yeah it, was, yeah. it was great it was and a cool little i mean we just did drums there so we were there for about 10 days um you should you should talk about the, the tanning bed though the tanning bed was <laughs> what? The sweetest oh no part. so that was you guys the use it no. uh, <laughs> wait wait till you hear about it and then you like, right, yeah right, so right. down in the basement there's like this little concrete room low ceilings and it's just the only thing in there it's just a room from saw is what it looks like <laughs> and it's just the only thing in there is this 80s tanning bed that looks like in five minutes, you're gonna get cancer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And it's it's perfect. It's yeah. just and it's it, creepy. You kind of got it. It, it has <laughs> like a electric motor thing that you know the lift is on the ceiling and it like what lifts up the cover and then you lay down in there. Uh-huh. But it lo- it just looks so dangerous. Straight up 80s. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> you're gonna get your brain copied out of your head. Brain yeah. scan. That's awesome. So uh, well, let's let's jump into the first song here okay, and come back and talk because I want to be able to to give people an idea of where uh, where, where Demon Hunter is at right now with uh, records nine and ten. And again, dudes, dudes, congratulations! Thank you uh, on making it. First of all, that far, I know you put in a lot of hard work and like being able to uh, make this happen in Kent, Washington. <laughs> all the yeah. places. Super happy. Bringing Kent back onto the map. Yeah, <laughs> it got yeah. erased for a minute there, but it's back. Yeah. So albums nine and ten, War and Peace. We're gonna play one from War right now. It's Ash. What do you guys want to say? You guys are DJs right now. You guys got to yeah. intro it. Yeah. Okay. Wacky um, morning show. Ash <laughs> is the resident barn burner on this record. We like to d- do at least one of these kind of like you know thrashy numbers on every record. Yeah. Um, and so we got kind of towards the end of the session and realized that we still needed one. And so this was the last one to put on the record. Got um, it. Throw some licks in there, man. Yeah, yeah. So this one, this is a fast one, um, and it kind of it fills that void. I know a lot of people kind of dig some of those previous songs from us that are like this. So, um, yeah, this one was fun, and it's just basically about uh, possessions, how we can all be tied to the, our stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and cool. how it's all just gonna burn. Hey, man. All right, <laughs> Demon Hunter in studio here on Metal Shop. This is Ash off the brand new record, War and Peace. Not my precious stuff. <laughs>
What's up? It's Metal Shot back with uh, Ash from Demon Hunter off their new record. Records, War and Peace, a double disc release. Double uh, albums, not double disc. Two d- different, two completely different, different albums. albums. And they brought up, and I just want to mention this right now, the artwork and like the physical copy of this reminds me of the... I, my parents have a Rolling Stones double disc live uh-huh. album that looks just like this. It's like... It doesn't have that old musty smell, right? <laughs> like yeah, yeah, the mothballs. Yeah, but man, this is so impressive, and you guys clearly put a lot of work and and, and effort into this. Uh, congratulations yeah, on, on the two new albums. So and that's it, not the version you're going to get at Best Buy. That's the right. ultimate edition. What what if do you they call would that? Sell records. That's the deluxe edition book. So we we do uh, the last well since Storm the Gates of Hell, which was our fourth record, we've done some sort of deluxe. Um, so we've done everything from like a box kind of set to uh this is actually our second book it's the most robust we did a book for extremist as well that was a little bit smaller hey, robust you could beat someone down with this <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is like a 12 inch uh 12 inch by 12 inch like 80 page book um yeah. when we call it a coffee table book we mean you could use yeah. it for a coffee table. yeah but uh it's it's a lot of fun we put some extra liner notes in there some photos that aren't in anything else um alternate album covers and so it's just a fun way to kind of like maximize everything that was kind of going down throughout the process and um, give, you know, the hardcore fans something to look forward to. So these are super limited. Um, they go pretty quick. The last couple records they've sold out, like, right around street day. They're gone, you yeah. know. So, um, so yeah, if you it's want fun one, awesome. grab one. Oh, we grab got one. one. Woo! No, we'll, <laughs> we'll put the link up to metal uh, on, on the Metal Shop and the KISW Facebooks, too, if you want to grab one before they're, yeah. like, literally yeah, there's a handful right left. now. Do it right now. Yeah. That's, well, the thing is, is, you guys said the song Ash was about all your earthly... This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Possessions, how they could be gone in a second. <laughs> yeah, except yeah. I would be surprised if this burnt. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I don't think, I think that this would be the last thing on earth. Yeah, that's the cockroach of albums. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one thing remains. Uh, I'm going to use that later, awesome. later on. So one thing I was interested in, and we have some questions we were spitballing here, and, and uh, I was recently had Matt Carter from Emory up on uh, Loud and Local, and he's doing a podcast called Labeled, and it's a history of tooth and nail records. And, and one thing that uh, came up in that and when I was talking with him is uh, you guys have been on Solid State and Tooth and Nail since the beginning. Uh, mm-hmm. 2002, you guys started 17 years now as a band. Uh, what's kind of kept that uh, professional and working relationship so so tight obviously uh, there's a lot of metal bands that go from you oh, know yeah. albums to albums around, yeah. sure labels. Yeah. what's kept you guys on solid state and tooth and nail so in um in 1995 i uh started a band called focal point a hardcore band yes um and i lived in at that time i lived in northern california and we ended up playing a show with Overcome, who was a new sign on, uh, at that time, Tooth and Nail. It was pre-Solid State. Uh, and Jason Stinson from Overcome called Brandon Ebel, who owns Tooth and Nail Records, and mm-hmm. said, you got to sign this band Focal Point. <clears throat> so Brandon called me, asked for a demo or something at that point. Uh, I sent that to him. He signed us. Uh, we played a, a festival show that Tooth and Nail was doing a couple months after that, where we met him and you know figured out the plans for the first record. The only record. Um, and so we went and recorded that record, and you know that band disbanded right after our first tour. Okay. Shortly after that, my brother started a band called Training for Utopia. They lost their singer. I ended up being the singer for them. That kind of snowballed into a deal with Solid State. By that time, they had started Solid State as yeah. like a subsidiary of Tooth & Nail. The heavy, yeah, yeah. The heavy stuff. Exactly, yeah. Um, a lot of classic records on there, too. Oh, yeah. But uh, we put out a couple of full lengths and a couple of EPs um, and then disbanded right before the year 2000. Um, my brother and I ended up moving up here to Seattle. So we had a lot. By that time, we had a lot of friends at Solid State. Yeah. We had a lot of friends at Tooth and & Nail. Um, and so we would even when we lived in California, we would come up to Seattle and we'd play shows at like the Soul House or, you know, wherever in town. And um, every time we were there, we would just hang out at the label and, cool. and you know. 
uh, chat with people. So uh, we had a relationship with them. And then when we moved up here, we kind of started batting around the idea of doing another band, my brother and I. And it was just a shoe in at that point. I think actually at that point I had started working for the label. So that's the the, the biggest connection there is oh, that. So that's the Triforce right there. Yeah, you know, yeah. You got the family connection. Exactly. So friends. we were in bands previously on the label, and then John and I were both working at the label at that time. My brother was working in the building. Um, our first guitar player, other than my brother, was Chris McCadden. He was working in the art department with me. And so I worked there for 13 years. And so just naturally, it's like, you know, of course it was we're going to in-house band. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had. I mean, it, you play the uh, company parties. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Christmas parties were great. <laughs> I mean, to get like to get approval on artwork, you just have to walk down the. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, you're like, hey, is this cool? Yeah. It's all, all right, we're good. It was. Yeah. It's a, there was a friendship there and like a kinship that like you. There's no way you'd be able to duplicate on some other label, and you know, like not knowing who's working your record and not knowing like what sort of things you're going to be able to do or what sort of things are going to be off limits or whatever. Just never f- really felt All like. Right, it was who's my work. boss? I need it. Just tell me who my <laughs> yeah. boss is. Someone. <laughs> I hear nightmares from bands about like you know, them not knowing anyone at yeah. the label or whatever, and so it just made a lot of sense for us just to keep it in the family, you know. Yeah. And so it, it it's made sense ever since. And I and That's I love awesome. that. And like one of my favorite parts is just hearing stories from fans of Metal Shop about a Demon Hunter for when they were younger. And like, <laughs> and you're still running it, man. Like that, the, the the Northwest connection here is like incredibly vibrant and like yeah. vital like we yeah it's crazy about, when like, shaky's pizza and yeah family, yeah, yeah like, totally. you know, like all of that stuff yeah we'll have people you know we we'll have 20 year old 23 year old kids coming up to us at shows and be like yeah my parents you know raised me on you you know wow. i used to listen to you when i was like Does six that make and you seven feel old? Yeah. which is totally yeah. crazy. i was conceived while listening to a yeah. demon hunter album uh, no. well i'm 16 yeah there are several uh fans who have kids named hunter after oh the band wow yeah. that's amazing Damn, yeah. Dude. All so, right. yeah that's that's kind of a hats off to the northwest like metal scene and, mm-hmm. and i'm i'm really glad you guys are here for, Thanks, for one of those specific reasons so one thing I want to talk to you about, and I think that we need to address, is Mr. Steve Rock and Kevin mm. Jacober from Metal Shop, mm-hmm. the previous incarnations and the host. They just both had their uh, birthdays this week. Yes, happy birthday, Kevin. Happy birthday, Steve. And I remember specifically, and we can we could go off for hours about like the connection between how Kevin and I took over Metal Shop from Kevin to Steve, but one of the first things that Kevin did, or sorry, Steve did, Steve Rock did, uh, you guys invited him or he just snuck <laughs> Onto your tour bus. Yes. And he uh, was the merch slanger. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so KISW actually reunited Steve and I, because Steve and I went to high school together. Cool. Or <laughs> junior high, whatever, and hadn't seen each other in eight or ten years. Yeah. And I still remember uh, we were on tour, and we were doing a, a interview with Metal Shop. That's right. So some guy named Steve from KISW calls me, and we were in Ohio, and I was standing in front of a corn palace. They like build mm. a palace on yes. corn every year. I was standing in front of that, and I take the phone call, and he's like, hey, it's Steve Rock here for an interview. I'm like, oh, okay, cool, whatever. So talking you to Steve. You sound familiar. And I thought, I, and there was something like, man, so, uh, well, I don't know. So then randomly ran into him at a Christmas party, like, six months later and I was like oh Steve yeah I remember I know you. you and he's like I remember you I'm like what are you up to and he's like I work at KSW and I was like wait did I not second. just talk to you yeah <laughs> so it was like small world connection um <laughs> and so yeah it was it was great to see him again and uh yeah we just asked him if you wanted to go on tour with us obviously he's one of the best people anyone can Absolutely. ever uh, yeah ever want to know and yeah he is he is the lifeblood of touring. Like, he, oh man, you always have to have one of those guys on the road that like can, like always bring, positive. Yeah, he's always an positive. He's an uplifter. Yeah. <laughs> so mean, yeah, he, he just makes everything shiny. He goes to Burning Man, but I think he is the Burning Man. Like yeah. he is what is yeah, named yeah. after. Oh so. yeah, yeah. Without Steve, there'd be no party at Burning Man. Exactly. Yeah. So, do you guys have any good Steve stories? Well, oh, I, uh, <laughs> we, 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 we can go for hours, but you know, one of my fondest things, uh, Steve, no matter what city we'd roll up in, <laughs> bus would get in, he'd be one of the first people awake, and he would grab his longboard, and he would leave at you know whatever, 8 a.m., and he would just leave. He'd go on an adventure. He would go on an adventure by himself on a longboard, and then he'd come back and report about the omelet that Omelets. he ate. And he would spend hours seeking out the best omelet in town nice. and, like, <laughs> talking to people on the road. Where's the best omelet? Uh, so he was oh, a scout. 
Yeah, yeah, so he would he would come back and tell us about. He an was omelet. all about that omelet. By, by the time anyone That's else awesome. had woken up, he had already eaten he, an omelet. But he was the best merch guy because he would have a jar of candy for the for the fans. Yeah, <laughs> and he, like he would give out candy. He would always have a backpack. He's like, t- <laughs> hey, Steve always he's got a magic. He's bag. always got a yeah. Yeah. He's, got yeah. he's got goodies. He's got goodies all the time. Yeah, it's like Mary Poppins bag. Uh huh. Like twisted <laughs> M- Mary Poppins. But he was so awesome to like just the face to face. You know that would happen between him and the fans. Like at, at the merch table was just unlike anything else. Like you you would want no one else selling your merch. Hell yeah. You know, dude. Yes. You'd be like, oh, uh, we're we're out of. You know, small, medium, and large, and it's like a tiny person. He's like, but this, what you do is, you put, you know, like so he, he could sell it this he could certain sell, way. Yeah, uh-huh. <clears throat> where it is address, you know, you could. Yeah, so he, he's yeah. just the best. Steve's one of the kids. He, he that guy needs to be the president of a PR company. Yes. <laughs> somewhere in there. But he couldn't be. He couldn't be. He he would have to tell the truth though. He's yeah. not a spinster. Yeah, so no kidding. That's a problem in that business. Uh, so you guys have been a band for seventeen years now. We just talked about that. It's coming up on two decades. Damn. Uh, How did you guys meet together in the beginning? Like, how did you two meet? Uh, yeah. Uh, John tell and us Ryan. the story. Yeah. Tell, tell so that story. goes back to uh, working at the label together. So yeah. I think Ryan okay, cool. started about six months before I started there. Um, and so we worked together, and um, you know, I started doing A and R, and Ryan would do graphic design for a lot of the um, artists that I was working with. Hey, and so what year was that? That was two thousand two, okay. one, one. Yeah, I think I started. Yeah, iPods have just come out. That's like the advent of like mm-hmm. internet era. Yeah, pretty, yeah, but it took Napster. a while for it to really start crushing the, <laughs> the <laughs> industry. Yeah, things changed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was a really golden era when we were first. You know, the first probably five or six years that we were there, I mean, physical sales were still crushing. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Absolutely. So there was a fun time to be part of a label um, before. Because you're feeling some success, man. You can see it and you can feel it. It's. Yeah. Yeah. It was a more, definitely more tangible at that point. There was a a lot of hit bands those first five, six years. There was, you know, obviously Under Earth was popping off. May. Norma Jean. Norma Jean. Amberlynn. Emery. All of those bands I listened to. Oh, yeah. I have every yeah. one of those. Yeah. John uh, Emery was the first band that you signed yes, as a That was uh, the first band. Was uh, It wasn't a Emery. flop, and I'm sure that's yeah. how you kind of yeah. rose well, up in that he company. He signed August Burns Red, too. Yeah, oh, Burns Red. yes. We have you to thank for all those awesome Christmas jams. Yeah, I could <laughs> tell you all sorts of fun stories about that. But I'm uh, sure you could. Maybe those that'll be for, for the next yeah. round. Yeah, we'll wait for the Christmas episode when you're playing all the August Burns Red Christmas songs. I'll tell you the stories. Dude. Hey, so that said, I want to take you guys back to like when you were just little younglings. Yes, just little youngins. One of our little kids and Kent. One mm-hmm. of our favorite uh, questions to ask, like especially, I maybe you guys, nah, maybe not. Incredible Universe was the precursor to the Supermall back when I was a kid. The first song that got me into anything was Creeping Death live on twenty-five gigantic big screens. Uh. Uh, so, what was one of the first songs, albums, shows that you saw? That you just went like this, you know, you got the goosebumps and you went, I got to be part of this. Like your what, light bulb moment. Yeah. What was your light bulb moment <clears throat> for like wanting to get into heavy music? Man, do you know yours? Uh, mine was a. Uh, we're digging. We're digging mm-hmm. deep now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I know like just the general, like what generally was happening. And for me, it was more of a segue from punk. So. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I had a neighbor. I was big into skateboarding, and obviously skateboarding back then especially was more synonymous with punk rock and yeah. stuff like that. So I had a neighbor friend who was one year older and was super into you know pop punk and all the fat stuff and all yeah. the epitaph stuff in it. Um, and he showed me Pennywise, Bad Religion. Um, and then from watching all the skate and snow videos, like you would find out about all kinds of bands. So of from there it was like... You know, no use for a name. Rocket from the Crypt, like all these, all these really cool like niche bands. Yeah, Face to Face was a huge one for me. Um, oh, nice. A little strung out for you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Love it. Strung out tattoo. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So all those punk bands segued into hardcore bands like the Victory Era stuff. Yeah. So be Earth Crisis, Snapcase, Strife, all that. It goes a little heavier. Little heavier. And then like simultaneously while all that was happening, like obviously Headbangers Ball was showing like Metallica and Pantera and Danzig and stuff like that. And so there was all that. And then I was slowly getting more interested in playing guitar. I had a friend who had an uncle who showed me Zeppelin IV and who showed me Sabbath Paranoid. It's always the uncle. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's <laughs> always the uncle or the cousin. Yeah. Uncles, yeah. yeah. And then, 
so I started playing playing guitar. My friend started learning how to play bass, uh, and my neighbor started learning how to play drums. All with the intent to it, someday soon we were going to start a band. You know, we just wanted to learn as fast as we could so we could start a band. Shortly after that, my neighbor, the drummer Robert from Focal Point, his cousin, offloaded all of her death metal. Uh, album collection Uh-oh. to to us because she got out of it and she was more into like classical music or something. So wow, she gave us what like two hundred CDs that was like <laughs> Autopsy, uh, Morbid Angel, Deicide, uh, Sepultura, like so anything in that mm. in that world oh that you could God. like unleashed. So all the black and and death metal stuff just. Literally like 200 discs, and so we just sat there hey, for years listening this. to this stuff. Take I mean, before and the, the shirts, before oh, so the many shirts, shirts. Oh, no. yeah. So Dude, I had like instant metalhead, DSI hey, Legion came up. shirts, you and came like, up hard. oh my gosh, Dude, we, we had the best collection. Now we honestly like we have music in the palm of our hands. We can look get anything we wanted, but like seriously, back uh, in that time, getting like five CDs was blowing your mind. That would right. make your month. Yeah. Getting 200 at once, yeah, that must have been just like, where do I start? This I was just a crash, it was a crash course in oh, metal. Yeah, oh my it was god. amazing. Oh my god! And you probably didn't know much about these bands. You just you just delve straight deep into yeah, it. Yeah, you know, we were just like sucked in by the artwork and stuff, and then, then just like you know, the ones that stuck to me were like the Sepulturas and the Fear Factories and um, kind of groovier. The, the groovier stuff, groovier stuff was kind of. I like some of the death stuff and you know um, some of the black stuff, but I, the stuff that really resonated with me the most was the groovier stuff. Sure. Um, even kind of like '90s era obituary, um, when when obituary and Napalm were doing slower stuff, like inside yeah. the torn apart and World yeah. Demise and stuff, um, which I, 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 I feel like I can, I, I can effectively point back to Corn for those, even for the Napalms and the and the and the uh, you know World Demise records. I feel like Korn had such a crazy impact on heavy music when they came out. Okay, we could I could go for hours on this, and I I go. swear I could convince you know most people. All right, we got to bring you back in, man. All right, we got a couple hours. That's a conversation I'd really sent a sincerely like to have. So that, that first Korn record comes out. Uh, you listen to like even like reroute to remain like in flames or something yep. that came out like you know sh- shortly after like Sepultura Roots yeah, that was came what, out because like, like two thousand. You listen to Roots yeah. post corn, and everyone's going seven string. Everyone's detuning to B or whatever. Um, everyone's throwing like eight oh eight bass hits in their songs. All of oh, us, all we of a were sudden, all so it's just, into it. The breakdowns are happening more <laughs> frequently. You know, like stuff like that. And then you see it trickle down even into the fringe of like these heavier bands. Like they start slowing down. They start grooving a little more. Um, anyway, that's. Uh, that's hey, my short version of that's how, a shout how out to the kids <laughs> who are hearing this right now, who are like right, 13, Ryan. 14, be like, hey, you got to go sit back and do a little homework. Man. We're going to start a thing, a new podcast, Metal Shop TED Talk. <laughs> yeah. And that's going to be the first uh, Ryan Clark on corn yep. uh, influencing all mm-hmm. of metal f- mm-hmm. uh, from I, the album. Man, I'm telling you, in the TED late talk, 90s, Ryan Clark. Mm-hmm. in the late 90s, that was that's my that's what I stand by. I think Corn hey, did it. So that being said, like as products and like this is like such a weird like generational thing for you guys and for us as as people who lived uh, with music in the physical dominant area where, where it was like CDs, tapes, mm-hmm. literally cassette tapes. Yep. Kevin's got a crazy cassette tape collection. Mm-hmm. Into the world of like the internet and so on, we lived in such a strange like little like window of time where like things change so fast, what would be, and feel free to take a second to think about it, what would be a piece of advice that you would give to somebody who's young now, maybe 16 to 25, honestly, at this point? What's a piece of advice that you'd give somebody who's trying to start a band that, like, can... you think that I, I was going to say that's one of the hardest questions. I was going to say that's one of the easiest. Really? <laughs> oh, really? So right. I'll right. I'll say why I think it's a hard question, yeah. and then John can answer why he thinks it's easy. Yeah, and <laughs> follow whatever I say. So I think, <laughs> based on my experience, every band that I've started, um, at least for the most part, has been, you know, we started when things were still physical music, and when things were still like when bands were still kind of. Now you'll see you'll you'll be able to go to a show with fifteen hundred other people for a band who's sold like seven thousand records. Exactly. And that that kind of the the way to quantify 
how large a band is nowadays is completely different than what it used to be. You used to be able to look at SoundScan and go, okay, this band's the headliner, this band's second of four, whatever. Now, like, there could be a band who's sold less than another band that's way bigger live or has a way bigger social media presence or whatever. So all those sorts of, like, quantifiable things are off the table. Mm -hmm. There's a whole new system on how to gauge, like, who is, you know, more popular and things like that. So... The reason it's hard for me is that new world of things just kind of happened to us. We didn't, we didn't like uh, yeah, learn how had, to navigate. You had to adapt, it. right? We we adapted, whereas other bands now they're like born into it. Right. So if you're being born into this this system pre or or you know post uh, digital music where you're not selling physical copies, we really had the benefit of of generating a pretty hardcore fan base when it was still that world, yeah. you know, pre-digital. Um, and so our fans appreciate physical products. Our fans appreciate, you know, and merchandise amazing, and stuff like this, that. Yes, this this thing that we're literally holding in our hands that you brought it's up. Yeah. yeah, and that's important for us to do, and it's still important to a lot of our fans. And I don't think it's as important to, to the newer generation. So to me, it's a really hard question. We're just talking about advice for someone wanting to start a band. Well, sure. yeah. And, and get yeah. pop and or get, just get, get some, Yeah, some attention, yeah. maybe so, some Get lit on Instagram, yo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the reason why I think it would be pretty easy if you go to draw from the right well is, I'm going to sound real old man here, mm -hmm. but a lot of modern music is very derivative of one another, right? They're kind of pulling from the same influences and the same styles and like, a lot of that stuff just starts blending together. Because the bands are successful. Yeah. It's right. Equation. Where, where <laughs> you know, I think if you just, if you go back and start pulling references from 20 years ago rather than two years ago, okay, people will be like, whoa, this is different. It's <laughs> like, true. Yeah, it's, true. it's not different. Just this recycle is, different stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're talking pull... about bands like Power Trip, who kind of did that too. Like, yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like, there, there's, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I see where you're going with that. Yeah. I think that that's, one one of the pieces that I will, will tell people that that'll ask us like on our fan club or whatever is not to follow trends. And I think we've done an okay job of not really following like the way that heavy metal was going. Most of my influences are '90s influences, and they always have been. Um, and so when I'm writing a, a record in 2018, I'm still kind of like listening to Machine Head and like you know old Machine Head and listening to like Sepultura, Chaos AD, and stuff like. I'm not listening to whatever the new cool thing is. Like, there's there's a handful of newer bands that I dig. Like, I like Gojira. I, I like a handful right. of bands, but um, I'm not really pulling from the well of whatever's happening now. And I yeah. think that's uh, helps sustain us a little bit. Um, so that's definitely something. Yeah, like mm -hmm. you know, not drawing inspiration from like your favorite band from y last year right. for sure. And that's true. I think being derivative used to be a little bit more taboo, whereas then it just became kind of the norm. And people like kids stopped caring so much about the fact that this band sounded a lot like this other band. That used to be kind of like a a, a no no, I think. And and right. it's I think it's slowly become kind of a normal thing to just kind of oh th now this is like a subset of whatever. That's it's just how gent it, yeah. or whatever. It's and it's just yeah. I think it's less of a less of a concern for fans for all their favorite bands to kind of sound the same. Because there's so many bands out there now right. mm -hmm. that you can be a fan of Gojira. And not be a fan of any other like progressive metal. Mm -hmm. Like you can totally. just know about that band and not like. It's so it's so hard to like try and wrap your mind around. But that said, like, is there um, is there one band that you like you swear by that you will never like not rip off? It, it, like rip off is such a like a. I feel like that's what you're trying Take to say. Like influence. You don't want to rip yeah. off a band. No, no, like, no. Sure, that's... it's easier now to like take influence from a band or two and not know anything about the history yeah. of that band's lineage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I would say for me, I mean, it's been said about us, so it's not like any secret really, but when I I like to pull from like the new wave of Swedish death metal stuff. So it would be like Clayman era in flames or a lot of the soil work records that were happening at the time. And so that, I mean, people draw that distinction all the time. And there are sure. kids that are born now after no that record even of came course, out. Of course, of course, yeah. <laughs> But that's that stuff. Like, if I'm if Patrick f sends me a demo, for instance, and I'm trying to come up with a melody, I think Speed is one of those guys that I will go to all the time, just in my head, thinking like, what would Speed do here? Like, so if I'm gonna kind of WWSD. quote unquote, 
<laughs> yeah. If I'm going to kind of rip someone off, it would probably be Speed. Um, and I would just kind of think, like, what type of melody would he do here? Um, and, and then I'll try to start with that and then make it my own. Cool. One of the last things that I want to talk to you guys about just briefly, and I want really, really desperately want to put this online, like uh, KISW last year for Pain in the Grass picked up Slayer, Anthrax, Lamb of God tour. And there, there are a lot of things going on. Like I just saw a statistic today about uh, literal uh, numbers and statistics on, on Spotify about uh, so many like of the metal bands that are getting so many more plays mm-hmm. that people are like respecting and like li- the, the most loyal music listeners on earth are heavy metal fans. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I believe that. And yeah. they'll actually still buy physical. Right. And they're still yeah. keeping yeah. that alive. Yeah. Yeah. And, and which is why we got, you know, big tours selling out. Mm-hmm. And like you guys like mm-hmm. putting out it, it not I'm not poo pooing anything, but like the ability to put this out and sell it out. Yeah, it's because of like metal oh, fans sure. on the mm-hmm. internet are the only ones still keeping physical, mm-hmm. digital, and and digital media alive, like actual purchases. Yeah, and that's one of my favorite parts of metal. Yeah, I think that there's a there's like a there's an element to it that feels like it's niche enough to feel like you're if you're an outsider, um, it feels like you have a special little group of people, right? Right. But then it's also accepting enough of people that it's pretty widespread and there's a there's a lot out there there's a lot to pull from there's you know a lot of bands from a lot of small towns and things like that and it's just a what it's what it's able to do for people in terms of like um channeling their frustrations and aggressions and all that kind of stuff like not many types of music really do that i mean i know there's lots of music that can kind of help you get through a hard time or whatever but there's something that goes a little deeper than that in metal. Um, and then there's like every branch of metal that you could imagine. There's like I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. Oh, Philosophical yeah. stuff. And then there's, you know, Gojira who's talking about like, you know, be kind to the earth and stuff. You know, there's, there's party thrash about getting messed up. Exactly. <laughs> there's, there's, there's some kind of metal for everyone. And so I think that's that's awesome. But I think that... Um, it kind of plays both of those fields of like it's it's good for outsiders and a lot of people feel like outsiders, you know, and then it's also it's broad like there's a there's enough of it there. It's not so niche that it's like this sub 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 genre. Right. You know, um, and that's one of the things about the Internet. Like you, you're you you're in involved with so many other people, but it's like focusing on the people that are like have always felt a little different. Right. Mm-hmm. And those are the people who are buying albums, mm-hmm. yeah. spending their money on records. Yeah, they care a lot about it, for sure. I mean, it. I think that music in general can really define someone unlike anything else. Obviously, a lot of people kind of, um, they base their entire lifestyle on their, on their musical oh, yeah. interests and stuff like that. And those subcultures and countercultures are super important to someone's identity. And so I think that that really is is one of the driving forces of people really investing in something like metal, buying the the shirts, buying the merch, buying the the CDs, going to the shows, starting a zine, whatever it is. It's they feel they feel like an investment into that as part of their identity. And like you cannot get more important than than being responsible for someone's identity. That's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know how, like, uh, things come and go, uh, resurgences come. I, I really honestly think heavy metal music is poised to take back over mm-hmm. the music industry at, at, at some point very soon. Here. I think I, mean, I, I think there it, it goes in waves, but I, I, I agree that there are times when it just feels like high time for, for heavy metal, right. and I think yeah. it will. Yeah, and, you know, a lot <laughs> of that kind of trends with the economy as well, right? So, yeah. like, when hair, <laughs> hair metal went out and, like, grunge came in, like... 
Everyone's like, yeah, party, stock market's up, it's all long hair. And, and then they're like, ah, oh, crap. Crash. <laughs> right. like, yeah, yeah. Drugs. These Getting pissed drunk. off people that hate themselves and everybody else in Seattle. Like, I hate myself, too. Yeah, I'm into that, too. Uh, so, yeah, I think to what you're saying, like, yeah, within the next couple of years, I think a lot of the, you know, kind of top 40 bubble gum, it's all good and fun. Like, something's going to come in that kind of, like, yeah, because all, all of that stuff kind of exemplifies in like perfectly what's happening in the world today. Like you look at the, the poppiest bubblegum stuff that's happening in music and it just like mirrors social media and it mirrors like yeah, all right. the gross stuff but, that's happening in the world. And metal will almost always be like the opponent to all of that right, sort okay. of stuff. But seriously, though, check these out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, so it's, it's right. it, I think in that way, like any time that there's a backlash in something, I think that metal has like its day, right? I mean, it, okay, so in 2017, the only platinum record and that, that went platinum, can you guess who it was? And it was at the, in December at the end of the year. It took all year. 2017? Oh. 2017. Maybe 2016. Okay. It was uh, Taylor Swift. All right. Was mm-hmm. the only artist yeah. who went platinum. It's pretty metal. But you also have bands like Metallica selling out gigantic stadiums mm-hmm. but they're yeah. bringing yeah. bands like gojira yeah. on yeah. tour Ghost so. and stuff yeah. yeah yeah and you know coming back to your point one of the statistics that i heard that kind of blew my mind was iron maiden has more streaming plays than madonna yeah wow over and over madonna Damn. right you would have without hearing that you go yeah like a virgin for sure has more plays well than just by virtue of like clubs and yeah. stuff like yeah. how many clubs are yeah. playing iron That's maiden you know yeah. like versus point. madonna so yeah. uh but yeah iron maiden Across the board gets. I'll tell you one thing. Madonna definitely doesn't fly herself in a 747 to shows. <laughs> Damn straight. <laughs> Bruce Dickinson power, man. <clears throat> All hey. right, guys. You guys are in the Northwest here. You guys live in Maple Valley area. What are your favorite Northwest bands of all time? One of the last questions here. We got two more questions for you guys. Favorite Northwest band of all time? Yeah, I mean, I got to play Homer. I grew up, you know, during the 90s in Seattle. And so, like, you know, it's too easy to be like, Nirvana, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, like yep. all that stuff. Alice in Chains, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's almost too easy, but like legitimately, that was the Sometimes world. It's the best. The world the that I was one. raised in, and you know, getting to go to like the Rock Candy and see, uh, you know, Alice in Chains play and stuff. Exactly. Like I can that. tell by the beard. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the question is, would you be the same person without those bands? No, probably Hell definitely no. not. Absolutely right. not. Um, you know, I probably, I don't even know what I'd be without it, but, uh. <laughs> what about you, Ryan? Uh, old one would be Alice in Chains. That was one of the first, uh, you know, Dirt was hugely inspirational for sure. Um, and that was one of those records that was kind of at those formative years when I was getting into music and learning how to play and stuff like that. Um, and so Alice in Chains for sure. And I've, uh, I've had the pleasure of, um, getting to know those guys, and I've actually designed the last two Alice in Chains wow. records, which has been Damn. like, you know, tell my 15-year-old self that is insane. <laughs> yeah. um, Yo, what's up, Kent? <coughs> you can do stuff. <laughs> you designed Rainier Fog? Rainier Fog and awesome. uh, Devil Put Dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Dude, I did not know that. I didn't know that. Um, so that would be the oldie. Newer would be Black Breath. Yes. For hell sure. yeah. Yeah. Amen. That's They are... W- the most underrated, or were the most underrated thing. They need to come back, man. Ja- after no Jamie kidding. got hit by that car, man, it was... Crazy. That's another conversation for yeah. another day. <clears throat> well, speaking of getting hit by a car, we got a question for you guys before we get out of here. Last question. Pick a scar on your body and tell us the story of how you got it. And show us if you can. If you don't have to take off. Okay. <laughs> um, I got soft hands, man. I don't got a lot of scars. Yeah, I've got, I have a John's lot of scars. John's got scars. Scar in your psyche, man. <laughs> well, are you circumcised? I mean, uh, <laughs> let me tell you about it. <laughs> Wait till we get off the air. We'll figure it out. Um, so, yeah, my beard covers it up, but I'll dig through it and show it to you. Um, so the worst injury, I've had a lot of injuries, but the worst one I ever had was uh, I was taking a, like, ER course. Okay. At, uh, um, thinking I was going to be like an ER medic or whatever. Sure. And I had finals week and it was, uh, I had the flu and I was super sick, but I had to go to school to do the finals and all these kind of things. Yeah. And so we had finished the final in that class. And so they were just showing us like an ER training video that was like just grueling accidents. And yeah. Arriving on the scene. It's like, this is what you need to get ready and for. And I can yeah. still vividly remember <clears throat> there was a guy that had cut his fingertips off with a chainsaw. Ooh, and he had like a work glove on. Woo. And it's like blood squirting. Yeah. And it's like handheld camera showing up at the site. And I was sitting there and I was like, oh, I'm sick. And so it's like, I'm going to throw up. So I asked the teacher, I was like, can I go out and just get ready for my next class? I'm not feeling good. He's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. 
So I go outside, and there's like it was in a portable, so there's like the wheelchair ramp, you know, oh, yeah. up, and it's on cement pad. So I was just standing up there and just blacked out, and I fell through the railing oh, and no. didn't put my hands out or anything because I was blacked out. Yeah. So I landed on my chin and split my chin wide open. Oh, I bit off a quarter of my tongue. I broke my nose and broke my jaw on both sides. So you smacked your head right on Yes, it. just face first, scorpioned off that thing. Oh right before gosh. graduation? Yeah, and so I woke up like in a pool of blood. And the guy that was teaching the ER class came running over and like flipped me over. Well, that's because like, what do I do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) you're in the right place. So I'm, you know, in this crazy shock and like I can't control my speech or anything. Like I can't move. So he's kind of feeling around. He's asking me to try to respond to things I can't. And so he looks over to a kid and goes, "He broke his neck. Call nine one one." And so. I you go you heard uh, that uh, like, I'm god like, damn I'm, it I'm paralyzed like I broke my and I'm losing my mind and uh, so yeah that was a that was a fun one there's a longer version of that damn, but that's a I good had my, story though I had my jaw wired shut for four months and uh, but here I am today to live the nice. live the tell that's and a good story and you're though. a handsome fine handsome yeah gentleman. grow out the beards so nobody sees the chewed up face <laughs> all right Ryan okay, now I, you, you gotta you gotta follow that okay, one okay I, 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 I was thinking while he was talking I think I got one I don't have any like cool hurt myself scars like that but I have a lot of tattoos uh, sure. and some of which scarred worse than others uh, some uh me and some friends like to do a game called tattoo roulette um, where we <clears throat> draw a little wheel of <laughs> options for tattoos and then you kind of set it on the ground and you flip a quarter and wherever the quarter lands, you get. And you, you put anything on there from like the, you know, ICP Hatchet Man oh, logo no, to like Tasmanian no. Devil smoking a doobie. Just, People hearing this are like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably some. What's the bad tattoo? You just put like the stuff that just no one wants on them. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it, you know. Steelers logo. <laughs> it's friends. It's, Too far. it's like, Too far. Friend, none of us are actual tattoo artists. Someone just, you know, one of our friends just has a machine. Oh. And so we've I've tattooed all kinds of crazy stuff on my friends and uh one of mine that scarred the worst speaking of scars uh is I have Bart Simpson on my leg saying eat my shorts. Can I, you got it? It's by a non-professional uh, tattoo artist. Pull that thing out of there. Let's see if I, I mean, can get pull to that it. tattoo you, out you, of there. You might have to go pants down not pants up. Oh there we go. Uh-oh. Oh wow. So he's he's scarred pretty good and some of the letters fell out. That's some stick and poke right there. Looks yep. like it, but yeah. Uh-huh. He says, what's up, dude? He says, uh, eat my shorts. Eat my shorts. Yeah, that's what I mean. You can't <laughs> yeah, even you read can't it. Even tell. <laughs> Show off the other side. Did so it come with free staff infection? One. So there's that one, and then there's um, Mr. Cool Ice over here. Wow! Mr. Cool Ice. Which, yeah. if, just type that into Google, and then you'll get the joke. Oh, we know Mr. Cool Ice. Oh, we know. So Mr. Cool Ice here, and then here's another. Yeah, it's got some ears on it. West Coast with the West Side. <laughs> with the West Coast hand. That was the first one I got. Wow. So, tattoo roulette. Play that at home with your friends. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> So, kids, game. if you're trying to be in a band, mm-hmm. <laughs> here's what you need to do. Get a wow. tattoo gun. Yeah. Good times. All right. Well, hey, sweet. <laughs> so, how do you get from there? Yeah, where do you, where do you go from there? Where do you go from there? I, I guess we well, just play one last song. There yeah. you go. So, Ryan, uh, John, thank you from Demon Hunter, in case you're just tuning in if you're at work. And people who are hearing this are like, Tuned in halfway through, and they're like, what the hell are you yeah. guys talking <laughs> Who is this? It's Demon Hunter, man, and they yeah. got two brand new albums, War and Peace, on Solid State Records, available now. Released yesterday. Yeah. Very cool. So you guys going to be playing Northwest anytime in the next couple years? Maybe to, the next year? Yeah, I'd say like probably, you know, I think we're getting uh, gears in motion for summer, so Great. we're looking towards that right now. Awesome. And I think we're going to do a couple of little runs, so look forward to it. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, we will uh, hopefully be one of the first to know, and we'll let everyone know, and yeah, uh, we can absolutely. all party and hang out and drink some beers and watch some Demon Let's Hunter. Let's do it. Hey, any last words for the people who are listening? Young, old, middle? Thanks for sticking. I mean, like you said, we've been doing this for a minute, so thanks to everyone who's been with us for so long and you know has stayed true and, and uh, followed us and loves what we do still today, and that's, you know, the whole reason we can do this is because people still care about it, so um, I just appreciate all the all the fanship and all the everything that our fans, you know, fuel us with over the last almost 20 years. I just want to say long live Kent, Renton, and Maple Valley. Nice. The South End? Yeah. Right on. This song is called More Than Bones. It comes from the other album that you released uh, just yesterday called Peace. What do you want to say about More Than Bones before we jump into it? Uh, More Than Bones is basically about how, you know, 
it's something that we kind of forget about sometimes, but there was a lot of musicians that have kind of passed in the last couple of years. You know, you got Cornell and Bowie and Prince and it, it and just Lemmy. kind of started. Yeah, it just started piling up. And, uh, you know, I thought that as sad as that is, it's sweet that we have recorded music from these people that will live for generations and generations. Yes. And so the concept of the song is that, you know, when I leave you, I leave you more than bones. I leave you like all this heart and soul on, wow, you know, awesome. throughout the music. So uh, that's kind of the sentiment behind that song. That's awesome. Right on. Here's More Than Bones. It's Demon Hunter. Pick up these albums, and we'll let you know when they're going to be playing in town. But for now, let's just delve right into these records. And it's thank you again, peace. gentlemen. Thank you. Thanks yeah, for having thank us. Thank you guys. It's Demon Hunter on Metal Shop. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. 
And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.